It's all good. We are live. Welcome in, everyone. Welcome back to another conspiracy-pilled Bible stream. We are it. back in Ezekiel, <laughs> the Weird Prophet Part 2. I'm your host, PJ Williams. With me is Abby Libby. What is going on, Abby? I, I clicked the button I wasn't supposed to and made our intro go away before I was ready. It's all and good. I, I didn't finish my Kiwi. So. You didn't finish your Kiwi? Should we just re- re-roll the intro and give you time for ki- give you Kiwi time? <laughs> or we can just have awkward chewing in the microphone. <laughs> Oh man, there's nights where it's like, you know, we just nail that intro, real professionals, <laughs> and there's nights like this. So you it's guys get me. you guys get to see all of it. This I, is always, the, <laughs> I always I always mess you. it up. Um yeah, we're we're here. It's been it's been a couple days. It has of been a couple craziness, of craziness. Yeah. And it's been a while since we've done a Bible stream, which sucks. Yeah, yeah. There's been life things going on. Abby's pregnant, things like that. We've been busy. So, you know, I just mean that as in you haven't been feeling well enough to do a lot of yeah, extra streams yeah, lately. Exactly. So uh, we're glad to be back. Yeah, we're going to be starting in chapter eight. Uh, it's been, I feel like it's been over a month. It has to have been over it's, a month yeah, since we did part one. So we'll try to keep these a little bit more consistently. Uh, we're going to obviously be reading through and, and hopefully talking about uh, the, the elephant in the room right now is we're going to be reading about Ezekiel and Israel and end times prophecy and stuff like that. And then this week, just this craziness with Israel. So yeah. I don't know if we want to say anything about it up front or just like talk about it as it comes up, but I can't, I can't imagine we're not going to talk about it. Um, I think the only thing I want to say is just if people, I think some people maybe saw our posts and misunderstood, like we a hundred percent support Israel. Yeah. We just also think there might be a conspiracy and, and two things could be true at the same time. Yeah, and it's it's okay. I just want to explain this really quick because I think we're going to be covering this on Unhinged this week. So we're going to yes. go deeper into it. But I just want to say when Abby texted me Monday morning, Saturday, when the heck was it? It's been a week. Saturday Today's morning. Monday. Holy cow. Yeah. Saturday morning. I work weekends, so it throws me off, guys. Uh, <laughs> Saturday morning when Abby texted me and said that there was this attack, I turned on the news. I started listening. And the very first thing I heard on the news was uh, CNN because Fox News was on commercials. And I was driving a truck and just going between all of them, getting a little bit of everybody's. And when I tune into CNN, the first thing I hear is there was a lack of imagination that this type of attack could happen. And the very next thing was, you know, all of Hamas and all of Gaza's phone lines have been tapped by Mossad for a long time. They should have been able to know that this attack was coming. It was such a huge attack. It was three-pronged. It was air, land, and sea. And just going on and on and on about, like, there's no freaking way they didn't know it was coming. So my point is, it's not that I'm trying to find conspiracies everywhere. I, I think that, and we'll go into it deeper, I think there was a let it happen on purpose thing. I'm not even sure I blame... The, you know, when you're I getting don't. rocket barraged every day, this is what I'll say. When you're getting rocket barraged every day and the world doesn't give a crap, and then you're like, maybe if maybe if we let it get a little bad, they'll actually let us defend ourselves for the first yeah. time ever. I, I, I'm, I'm not trying to excuse it, but I think there's also like, well, I am a little bit, but I think there's also a difference, again, between Netanyahu and quote unquote the Jews and Netanyahu, right. the government, Mossad, and Israel. And it's... It's, I've said the same things about my own government. It's not anti-Jewish or anti-Israel to say, I think maybe Netanyahu and Mossad let this right. thing happen. Well, let's put it this way. If if FDR, well, it was FDR, right? With with um, with uh, Pearl Harbor. Pearl Harbor. If he hadn't done that, Germany would have won. Right, Like yeah. If we hadn't let Pearl Harbor happen, Germany would have won. And I think it's still important to note that your government is willing to do shit like that. Right. Yeah. A hundred percent. Right. But also like 
maybe understand like there is a difference why? between my hop and lie hop and, th- and that is made it happen on purpose is what we think 9-11 is and let it happen on purpose which is what i think is pearl Harbor. right right um but uh either way i i it's i don't think anybody can honestly look at the, yeah. the this attack and say they didn't know and it seems like there's information coming out that Egypt was warning them 10 days ago, which again, is, it reminds me of Pearl Harbor. Right. They're getting warnings and ignoring them. Uh, I think it's also <laughs> entirely possible that they were expecting something like the six days war that they, that what they thought they were allowing was a military clash with military. Sure, and sure. maybe on, I hope that whoever, if they let it happen, they had no concept of the sheer evil that Hamas would perpetrate on civilians. Yeah, I don't. I mean, it is really it's awful because that's the hardest thing horrific. to get over. Is like it's not just a military conflict. It started off as in bulldozers and rockets and boats and hang gliders going right into civilian areas yeah. and truckloads of, and I don't want to get to the bloody details. You guys have been on Twitter, probably seen more war than yeah. you've ever wanted to in your life in this last week. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> more. I said this the other day. If, if you would think based on the, the things that we've seen that Israel's been at war for two years and, I, and Ukraine was invaded yesterday. Yep. But my point is, like, it was truly, truly awful what's happening to civilians over there. So we just want to yeah. say all of this. It's heartbreaking. We want to be in prayer about it. Uh, we're going to be talking about, it, you know, obviously what's going on in end times prophecy and what's in Ezekiel and just kind of, I don't know, I got a lot of thoughts. So we're going to read mm-hmm. the Bible tonight. We're going to pray. We're going to talk. And we're just going to see where it goes. We're just going to let God lead this. Uh, yeah. So please be in prayer for for Israel and for the innocent people that are being hurt. Uh, and be praying for us, too. And uh I'd love to hear your guys' thoughts. So let's just start this off with prayer, and then we'll just jump into Ezekiel chapter 8. So, Sounds good. Dear Lord, thank you so much for bringing us here today. Thank you so much for Abby, uh, for what a blessing she's been in my life, and for Conspiracy Pilled in this community and what it means to me, and, and um, just the wonderful people that comprise this this community and that are here with us tonight. And I just pray that you're with the people of Israel, with your, you're with the innocent children uh, and women and people of, of uh that whole region right now, Lord, it's, there's a lot of death and chaos and destruction going on. I just pray that um, through it all that uh, you show mercy and protection. Um, I just pray for the world, Lord, the state of the world right now is pretty frightening. And uh, I just pray that if anything, that we can look at what's going on and and feel sorrow and feel, feel the things we should, but also realize that uh, life's no joke and that we can't just waste it away living for our own pleasures, living for ourselves, ignoring you, Lord, but that we will seek you out in everything we say and do. Um, we'll seek you beyond our own uh, our own petty concerns, Lord, and that we just try to make you the focus of our lives, Lord. I just pray that you guide and direct this Bible reading. I pray that you protect over our technology, over the computers, the internet connection, uh, and that you just uh, speak through us tonight. And uh, just thank you again. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay. okay. Oh, thank you, Cody. Don't fax me sent a $20 super chat. Hello, fellow infidels. Oh, well, thank you, Cody. Appreciate that, man. Wait, was that the right one? I don't know. I pulled up the hello, fellow infidels. Um, No, that's not the right one. I clicked on the wrong thing. We're trying something new with the uh, comments on the screen. So, oh, there we go. 
does I don't think that Evie Mux differentiates between a regular comment and a super chat. Nope, so I'm just realizing that now. So interesting and fun. But what's good is Evie Mux has been pretty responsive to um yeah, comments and feedback. So they just gave us yeah, they just give us the ability. We were using a third-party app before to bring in the Rumble comments, and it's kind of glitchy, and you guys, when watching, have probably noticed. Um, so now it's integrated in just like YouTube comments, just like Facebook comments, um, but they don't have the differentiation for us to see if there was a super uh, a Rumble rant or not. So I will message them after the stream and see if they're mm-hmm. working on it. Yeah. And I'm sure they are, but it's always good to, you know, squeaky wheel gets the grease, so to speak. So we're um, going to squeak. We're going to squeak. A lot. <laughs> All right, so okay. let's start in chapter eight. Uh, in the sixth year, in the sixth month, on the fifth day of the month, as I sat in my house with the elders of Judah sitting before me, the hand of the Lord God fell upon me there. I love that he's got the attention of all of the elders of Judah. They're like all in his house waiting for more prophecy. This is, uh, yeah, well, just, just for a quick <laughs> recap for you guys, this is a guy who saw a bunch of UFOs, then decided to lay on his side, cook food out of dung, uh, and chop off his hair, and then run around and like swing a sword at his hair like a madman through the like years of like this whole weird prophecy. And I think he's got people's attention just because of how strange he is and also how right he's been. So, uh, the strange, what I'm saying is it's okay to be weird. <laughs> <laughs> okay, PJ. <laughs> Just um, yes. Then I looked and behold a form that had the appearance of a man below what appeared to be his waist was fire. And above his waist was something like the appearance of brightness, like gleaming metal. He put out the form of a hand and took me by a lock of my head and the spirit lifted me up between earth and heaven and brought me in visions of God to Jerusalem to the entrance of the gateway of the inner court that faces north where was the seat of the image of jealousy, which provokes jealousy, provokes to jealousy and behold, the glory of God of Israel of the God of Israel was there like the vision that I saw in the valley. And he said to me, son of man, Lift up your eyes now toward the north. So I lifted up my eyes toward the north and behold, north of the altar gate in the entrance was this image of jealousy. And he said to me, son of man, do you do you see what they are doing? The great abominations that the house of Israel are committing here to drive me far from my sanctuary, but you will see still greater abominations. And he brought me to the entrance of the court. And when I looked, behold, there was a hole in the wall. And he said to me, Son of man, dig in the wall. So I dug in the wall and behold, there was an entrance. And he said to me, go in and see the vile abominations that they are committing here. So I went in and saw and there engraved on the wall all around was every form of creeping things and loathsome beasts and all the idols of the house of Israel. And before them stood 70 men of the elders of the house of Israel with Jazaniah, the son of Shaphan, standing among them. Each had a censer in his hand, and the smoke of the cloud of incense went up. Then he said to me, Son of man, have you seen what the elders of the house of Israel are doing in the dark, each in his room of pictures? For they say, The Lord does not see us. The Lord has forsaken the land. He said also to me, You will see still greater abominations that they commit. Then he brought me to the house of the north gate of the house of the Lord, and behold, there sat women weeping for Tammuz. Then he said to me, have you seen this, O son of man? You will see still greater abominations than these. Does your Bible have a note about what, who Tammuz I was, is? I was about to, I was about to bring that up. Yes. So, 
Uh, that is verse 15. How dare women cry over this thing? I have no clue what it is. Uh, Um, The only biblical biblical reference to this Babylonian fertility god. I was going to say the names, the names stuck out to me. Like I've heard that name. It sounds Babylonian. It's the Babylonian fertility god. The women of Jerusalem were bewailing her, uh, his dying, which supposedly happened seasonally at the height of the summer heat. Oh, which they so thought caused ritual. the animal summer die off of the vegetation. So this is the same. We've talked about this on unhinged a little bit with uh, the rituals around Ishtar uh, are very similar to this. The it's, a, it's another mm, similar thing. Gotcha. So Tam, Tammuz, I think is another name for it's the Babylonian name or one of them. Gotcha. But yes, this is women wailing at the summer solstice or the fall equinox or something like that. It's like as a far ritual as like the, yeah. grieving. Okay. Ritual grieving of the, crops dying off because it's a change of season. So it's a, gotcha. yeah, they're, they're, they're worshiping Babylonian gods is what it's saying. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, and he brought me into the inner court of the house of the Lord and behold at the entrance of the temple of the Lord between the porch and the altar were about 25 men with their backs to the temple of the Lord and their faces toward the east, worshiping the sun toward the east. Then he said to me, have you seen this? O son of man, is it too light a thing for the house of Judah to commit the abominations that they commit here, that they should fill the land with violence and provoke me still further to anger. Behold, they put the branch to their nose. Therefore I will act in wrath. My eye will not spare, nor will I have pity. And though they cry in my ears with a loud voice, I will not hear them. So in this vision, is it all contemporaneous? Like, he sh- Ezekiel's with the exiles and he's seeing what is happening in Jerusalem at the temple at that exact moment in time. Well, I think, I think so because it keeps saying that you'll see worse abominations than these. So I think it is saying like, this is the current state of where the right. idolatry has gotten to, but it's going to get worse. Okay. Yeah. Um, I want to look at this. Uh, verse 16, about 25 minutes, says it's a representative number. With their backs toward the temple, almost all ancient temples were oriented towards the east. Worshiping the sun as it rose required people to turn their backs to the temple, mm. bowing down to the sun. So, yeah, there's a lot of, like, symbolic imagery, but the the overall thing, the, the repetition, Ezekiel repeats itself a lot, but I think that there's a purpose to it. Mm-hmm. And the repetition is every single which way that people are turning away from God, whether it's you know, celebrating the solstices and and the harvest mm-hmm. gods and things like that, or sun worship, which is a literal turning your back on the temple of God, or having secret rooms imagery, images mm-hmm. of of beasts and things like that. There's been some. I don't know if I should even say this right now, but there's been something that's been bothering the crap out of me this week. Okay, yeah. Um, people get hung up. I know this is gonna piss people off, but I, I continue to do it because I, I it's just. I'm not going to not speak the truth if I see it as truth. Do it. Uh, People get hung up on the whole Mary worship aspect of Mm. Catholicism and idolatry. And we've talked about it. It, it, I've got my opinions on it. Uh, (laughs) But what I don't see is anybody asking the really difficult questions of why, why, why the Catholic church believes you can have a temple to Zeus. You know what I mean? Which is a temple to Baal. Zeus Balaam is, is the full name, right? Like Zeus Baal. Mm. So we kind of t- brought this up on the Tartaria episode and it's just been eating at me. Like nobody brings up this aspect of like, there's nowhere in the Bible. And I mean, nowhere where it's like, yes, you've also set up foreign gods and images of beasts and, and mm-hmm. chimeras and, and Nephilim and things like that in your, in your temples. But it's okay because you want to preserve Greek culture. 
it's okay because yeah. you've incorporated sun discs and and Greek gods and and all this into your artwork. And it's just like I I don't. It's something I think people need to really ask. Is like how has for thousands of years people been so desensitized to literal temples to Greek gods in churches? Mm. And it's just like one of those things where it's like there's nowhere in the Bible where this is okay. And I just I, I've heard the justifications over and over and over again. But I feel like everybody gets hung up on the Mary thing instead of being like, you literally have Zeus. Right. You literally have like Dionysus and things like that in churches. It's it's wild because there's there's a lot of the iconography. I think we just were like, oh, it's just art. And I think we this first step is realizing that like all the statues, all the imagery, it's not just art. You're not just putting up a statue of a false of, of of a false god in your church because it's art and you want to because it's western art. civilization right we're told western right. civilization is the blending of of greek philosophy and and christian religion right mm-hmm. which i get that on a cultural level yeah. but the fa- like but letting that seep into the church and then that be ex- the excuse is western is westernism the the god now is like is is the blending right. of these two things i think personally I think this is the prophecy about in Daniel about the mixing of of clay of iron and clay. I think that mm. if you look at that prophecy, it's about kingdoms. And I know a lot of people will be like, oh, it's about AI, it's about this, it's about that. The mixing of iron and clay, it's the mixing of, of robots and humans. It's it's this thing. But none of the prophecies about any of that. It's always about kingdoms. kingdoms. And the last kingdom before the, the one that's the mixing of the iron and clay is Rome. Rome. And what and is the Catholic Church if it's not Rome, if it's yeah. not Western civilization, the mixing of two different things of the Roman empire and mm-hmm. the Christian religion. And I, I, I don't know. Sorry. I know I'm getting yeah. off on a tangent here, but it's just like, been no, but it's the same, me. right? Like God, yeah. in the next several chapters, God's going to come down really, really hard on Israel for their idolatry. Yeah. And how can we pretend that in various ways and in different ways, the Catholic church has followed certain idols and the Protestant church has followed other. A hundred percent. That's the thing is I'm not, people get all mad. Like I'm excluding the Protestant church here. I'm not, I've been the biggest, I've talked about. It's really easy to criticize the the Protestant church because we readily admit that we're not perfect. um, And, and that we get things wrong. And I think, it's so much harder to say the exact same things about the Catholic church because it's like, no, God would never allow his church to, to fall or falter or, or whatever. Um, th- these things can't be true about Catholicism. And it's like, it happened in the fucking temple. I shouldn't, I shouldn't swear like that on the stream. Um, it happened in the temple. Yeah. Ha- like, imagine the hubris of, of thinking this could happen in the temple that God was physically present in to the extent that a spirit can be physically present, right? Like he was there literally dwelling in the Ark of the covenant. Yes. Right. Yeah. And it happened there. And, and, <clears throat> and the Catholics think that, that it can't happen in the, in their church. Like I, again, like this has been a thing of mine is like, I, I, and again, I, I really appreciate people like Spencer Clavin, what he's doing with, yeah. with the young heretics. Uh, but I do, and this isn't against him at all, but I do have this problem with people that have put Western culture over Christianity to the point mm. where it's like they have, they're, they're so intertwined. It's what made America great and things like that. I get that. But like, what's your God? Is your God Westernism? Is it, is it, is it so dependent on Greek 
philosophy and culture Mm -hmm. that you can't separate out the two, that you have to worship them equally. And -hmm. I think that's a huge mistake. I, I can appreciate what we've gained from the Greeks and also realize they were pagans that we don't want to follow their religion. Right. And we shouldn't have their pagan gods in our temples. Correct. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. Rome I'll, was useful end of for rant. the <laughs> Rome was very useful for the spread of the gospel. Sure. And and that was that was the extent. Just kidding. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a little, it was a little bit more than that, but okay. Um, yeah. So we finished chapter eight, chapter nine. Then he cried in my ears with a loud voice, saying, "Bring near the executioners of the city, each with his destroying weapon in his hand." And behold, six men came from the direction of the upper gate, which faces north, each with his weapon for slaughter in his hand. And with them was a man clothed in linen with a writing case at his waist. And they went in and stood beside the bronze altar. For slightly more context, there are some Israelites living as exiles in Babylon. And this is where Ezekiel is. And mm-hmm. they were they are still hoping that the prophecy is going to be, I'm going to restore you to your land. And the pro- instead, the prophecy is, no, you need to get comfortable, going to destroy this shit, and it's going to be quite a long time before I'm going to gather you back to right. your homeland. So, okay. Now, the glory of the God of Israel had gone up from the cherub on which it rested to the threshold of the house. And he called the man clothed in linen who had the writing case at his waist. And the Lord said to him, pass through the city, through Jerusalem, and put a mark on the foreheads of the men who sigh and groan over all the abominations that are committed in it. And to the others, he said in my hearing, pass through the city after him and strike. So, okay, mark the people who are genuinely sad that these bad things are happening, who are grieving the evil. And then pass through the city after him and strike. Your eye shall not spare and you shall show no pity. Kill old men outright, young men and maidens, little children and women, but touch no one on whom is the mark and begin at my sanctuary. So they began with the elders who were before the house. Then he said to them, defile the house and fill the courts with the slain, go out. So they went out and struck in the city. And while they were striking and I was left alone, I fell upon my face and cried, Ah, Lord God, will you destroy all the remnant of Israel in the outpouring of your wrath on Jerusalem? Then he said to me, the guilt of the house of Israel and Judah is exceedingly great. The land is full of blood and the city full of injustice. For they say, the Lord has forsaken the land and the Lord does not see. As for me, my eye will not spare, nor will I have pity. I will bring their deeds upon their heads. And behold, the man clothed in linen with a writing case at his waist brought back words saying, I have done as you commanded me. So I think it's interesting that even here, when God is really some of the most brutal with Israel that he, he ever was at any point, right? Is still saying, he's not saying, oh, those Jews, they're all bad. He's saying, some of these people still follow me. Right. And I'm still going to make a, a differentiation between the people <clears throat> who, are, who are still following me and serving me and grieving evil and the people who are participating in it. I think this is so interesting because this reminds me of Revelation. And I think this is this is important is to understand how God works in this way, where it's like, look, you're all going to suffer. Mm-hmm. You're all going to suffer to some degree, <clears throat> but those who ha- have been marked will be spared from the worst mm-hmm. of it. And I think this is I think this is what Revelation is talking about. I know a lot of people want to think we're not going to go through any of the bad at all. That's uh, it, not the <laughs> it's not the timeline that's laid out. Mm-hmm. I, there is there is a certain amount that we will 
as Christians suffer. I know everybody wants to think it's going to be like the, the we'll be at the top of the world mm-hmm. and then, you know, this rapture will come. We'll all be gone before anything gets bad. We're already seeing the world go, go pretty bad. Mm-hmm. And I don't think uh, we're going to be spared from all of it. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's, it's interesting. I also think this says a lot about God doesn't uh, mess around with, with these, with these sins forever. Doesn't, doesn't God's patient, but he's not going to put up with this stuff forever. And it would be and there's wrong a certain point where a culture is exactly. And there's a yeah. certain point where a culture is so depraved and so vile that it's like you have to burn the whole thing to the ground right. just about. Yeah. Right. There, there are times. And I think that we're seeing it more and more where it's like a culture has become so twisted that the normal rules that we would follow of like, Oh, the children are innocent. The young people like leave, leave the old and, and, and this and that out of it. And sometimes it's like, no, in order to, to do what needs to be done here, you kind of have to kill them all and start over. Yeah. There's a certain point where a culture is so ingrained and you were talking about, we were talking about this off air a little bit, but like right now I've seen the claims that Israel is, is bad because Egypt won't take in refugees. And they're like, well, you're, you're, (laughs) this is a funny argument, but this is the argument I've seen is, Israel's bad because they're attacking Gaza uh-huh. who who raped and murdered and their women and children, right? Right. They're, they're attacking Gaza and and the, the Palestinians can't flee to Egypt and Israel knows they can't flee to Egypt. So Israel therefore is bad instead of like, <laughs> which is a stupid argument. My there's point re- is yeah, there's, there's a reason, a reason for this, right? Like the, the culture is so infested that nobody trusts that anyone, man, woman, or child is not a spy, is not... Mm-hmm. Uh, subversive to yeah. the point where even, even Egypt is like, yeah, I don't, I don't think we can trust these people. And that's, that's a, that's a truly lost culture. I think at that point when even the people who should be your allies are like, yeah, I don't think, I don't think we want you, you in our country infecting our country. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, Egypt is, is smarter than most of the West at this point. Yeah. Um, okay. I have done as you commanded me. So we're, we're through chapter nine. Yes. We're on chapter 10. Okay. So up until this this point, I want to be so clear up until this point, the spirit of God is still in the temple. Yes. Cause the next chapter he's leaving. And this is, this is interesting too, because we talked about this idea that like Ezekiel one, which is the, what people consider the UFO thing, right? Mm -hmm. Is, I, I, I've said I don't discount the physicality of angels and, and fallen angels and, and spiritual beings looking like you yeah. like having technology, having does it look like UFOs and, and that being a lot of what we see. Some people discount that entirely because what they'll say is, and I think both are true. This is the point mm-hmm. I want to make. I think that Ezekiel 1 and Ezekiel 10 are because we're going to see the UFO thing again here. We're going to see the wheels within the wheels here in, in 10 again. Mm. And the reason this is, uh, people have pointed out, is that the wheel within the wheel stuff, the throne of God, all this stuff is a prophetical vision of God in his mercy seat in the Holy of Holies. Hmm. So you see that in chapter one, he gives all this prophecy and in chapter 10, you see the same imagery and then he leaves the Holy of Holies. Right? So my point is, I think it's both. I think that we do see some indications of what these beings look like. And again, the more we get, the more we see what these beings look like, or maybe look like whether we're talking about seraphim and then we look at alien encounter type stuff, Mm -hmm. you know, Lizard people, seraphim, you know, there's a, there's a connection there. There's all these things wrong. The the point I'm making is not that it's not prophecy, that it's not symbolic, 
But I think that it's both. I think we are seeing a glimpse of what these things look like and why they come to people and say, be not afraid because right. I probably look scary as crap. I mean, even the things we do know what they look like, it's like six wings covered in eyes. It's pretty terrifying mm-hmm. stuff, right? The, the, um, the, uh, is that the seraphim? I might be getting them all mixed up. I always get them mixed up. I do too. <laughs> but my point is, um, I think that even though I said, I think there's some physicality stuff here that that's interesting or maybe pointing towards something. I don't, I, I also believe that the, there is a, bookended symbolism here with, with 10. We'll see it yeah. anyway. Yeah. Um, real quick. I wanted to highlight Miss Melody's comment. If I can find it. Um, I don't think God would have given us part of his plan if we didn't need that knowledge. At some point yeah. in high school, I, he- I heard a preacher say nothing is in the Bible by accident. You, God didn't like throw in extraneous details. Like every, everything is, um, I think so often we just read past certain things or like, oh, this passage is kind of boring or I don't understand it. Um, Everything is need to know. Like we're reading, we're reading a need to know file um, and everything is something necessary for, for our knowledge. It was within the last year that for the first time in my life, I really appreciated the genealogies because mm-hmm. uh, that's the most boring part of the Bible besides Leviticus, right? Like <laughs> Leviticus right. and any of the genealogy stuff is super boring. But when we got into the Genesis 14 wars and when we got into the sons of Noah and, and the generations and the Nephilim and things like that, yeah. I started to realize, oh my gosh, this genealogy stuff is stupidly important for understanding who's passing down this this Nephilim DNA, like why yeah. these tribes are explained as being tall as the cypress trees, why these why this king is said that he's like 19 feet, his bed is 19 feet long, saying he's like yeah. 19 feet tall, right? So like, you're right, nothing is in there on accident. Revelation's not there on accident. We're not reading it because we don't need to know any of it. Right. It's important stuff. Yeah. Right. Um, <clears throat> so let's read this very important UFO story. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> um, Then I looked and behold, on the expanse that was over the heads of the cherubim, there appeared above them something like a sapphire in appearance like a throne. And he said to the man clothed in linen, go in among the whirling wheels underneath the cherubim, fill your hands with burning coals from between the cherubim and scatter them over the city. And he went in before my eyes. Now the cherubim were standing on the south side of the house when the man went in and a cloud filled the inner court and the glory of the Lord went up from the cherub to the threshold of the house and the house was filled with the cloud and the court was filled with the brightness of the glory of the Lord and the sound of the wings of the cherubim was heard as far as the outer court like the voice of God Almighty when he speaks. And when he commanded the man clothed in linen, take fire from between the whirling wheels from between the cherubim, he went in and stood beside a wheel and a cherub stretched out his hand from between the cherubim to the fire that was in that was between the cherubim and took some of it and put it into the hands of the man clothed in linen who took it and went out. The cherubim appeared to have the form of a human hand under their wings. Um, real quick, uh, who was it? You you highlighted his comment just a second ago. Um, uh, son yeah. says that uh, I love Michael Heiser saying if it's weird and in the Bible, it's important. It's important. There are so many things that are weird. And we don't ask questions about it. And yeah. we're just and like, well, that's too weird. Skip. Right. And we, we don't hear sermons about it. We don't. It, it seems like a lot of pastors, if they can't answer, if they can't give you like a firm thing about like what this is, they're not comfortable having a sermon where they're just like, this is weird. What do, what do we think? Like, 
and just ask. Imagine like somebody trying to tell <clears throat> you something and, and, and God is like expecting us to ask the, the obvious right. questions. And we're just like, la dee dee dee. That was weird. I'm just going to move right past that. Yeah. This is my point. This is why I love Ezekiel. And it's so weird because there have been things that have happened to me over the last few years where I really felt God speaking to me in certain ways. And one of them was when I felt like he was kept laying it on my heart about Joseph and the story of them prepping for seven bad years. Mm -hmm. And this was before the economy crashed. And I was just like, I kept calling my family and saying like, guys, the economy is going to get bad. Grocery prices are going to get really stupid bad in the next few years. You guys need to prepare. And everybody's like, whatever, whatever, whatever. And then we've seen the economy get bad. Uh, And the other one that happened around that time was Ezekiel kept coming to me. And I kept thinking to myself, like, there's something really important here that I need to take away. And that's why I'm Mm -hmm. so glad we're reading this. But there's two things I think for, for me personally. And one of them is that his, his call to Ezekiel in chapter two is like, look, people are very far gone. Right. They're super far gone. So say what you have to say and move on. Don't do the debate crap. Don't try to like win them on the, the technicalities because yeah. uh, we know it doesn't work, right? Like we've seen it. It's stupid. You're, you're speaking to people who are so spiritually blind and so shut off and so NPC and whatever word you want to say that you could spend your whole life trying to convince this one person mm-hmm. and then never, never, never actually spread the gospel and never actually reach anybody who, who you can reach. And, and here's right. the thing that people, Christians have to understand. You personally cannot reach everyone. There are people who you will never be able to, and maybe someone else can. I'm not saying they're beyond reaching, but you can't. Right. So that was one of them. And the other one is just the weirdness factor. Like yeah. we're, we're Christians who are speaking about conspiracy theories and, and talking about Bigfoot and weird things. Right. But Ezekiel's weird. And I think that there's a, I think that it's only people like us who are going to look at the weird parts of the Bible and not be like, uncomfortable, skip, but ask, ask the real questions. You have to be a little weird. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- there's so much of Christianity. What I hate about Christianity is the attempt to make God normal and to like make rules for him to make him fit in a box and all of the like isms and I, I'm a, and I'm a, blah, 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 ism. And, and if God is like this, then he has to act like this sort of syllogisms. And mm-hmm. it's like, no, yes. He, he said he's this way. Everyone's a cram that's God into a box. Know. Yeah. That's what you know. You, you, you don't know how he has <clears throat> to act. Yeah. Um, you're, you're, you're a human, <laughs> like get over yourself. <laughs> and, and I'm sorry, but like 50 humans over the course of history, all agreeing, still doesn't make it right. There's still, that's still just 50 humans over the course of 500 years. Like it, yes, it's, it's good to say, you know, what did the church fathers say and, and what can we take from tradition? Um, that's, that's good. Cause then you have kind of a bulwark against some error, but at the same time, people could just be wrong for generations and generations. <laughs> We've seen this. Yeah, for sure. Um, okay, <clears throat> let's see. Was there anything in those first first uh sorry before we move on? Is there anything in those first eight verses that we wanted to 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 go over? No, I want to breeze past it because it's weird okay. and I don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm hoping that um the I think we should finish we the go, chapter the, and then come yeah. back. And, yeah, okay. Yeah, because it's not making a lot of sense to me right now. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. Um and I looked and behold, there were four wheels beside the cherubim, one beside each cherub, and the appearance of the wheels was like sparkling barrel. And as for their appearance, the four had the same likeness as if a wheel were within a wheel. This feels like 
I think the point of all this is God's like, I'm going to give you as much detail as possible. And it is not going to make sense until it does. Yeah, I think, I think that so. there will come a point where we will start to see this technology and we're going to be like, oh shit. Like, there it is, as described. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think so. <laughs> yeah. Um, because there's a, a like the descri- the description is so intense. And, and we know this type of technology accident. works. That's what's so insane to me is we know that NASA took this this whole thing and I've the book is boring as crap, but it's called the the wheel what's it called? The the UFO, the spaceships of Ezekiel. I bought it thinking it would be interesting. It's a technical manual that's like six hours long. So I'm not saying you should read it, but the point of the book is that he read through this as if it was a technical manual and developed a patent for NASA that they use for omnidirectional wheels. So very interesting stuff. Amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's actually happened quite a few times over the course of history where a scientist has been like, you know what? The Bible says this thing and the scientific community doesn't agree, but like, I'm going to go looking for this thing. Like um, there's a verse that talks <clears throat> about the paths of the seas yeah. and the guy who discovered currents, ocean currents, believed that verse and went looking for the paths and he found them. Yeah. And people thought he was crazy until he found them. And now we all know that there's massive ocean currents that run all over the world. Yeah. There's so many times where the Bible's (laughs) far ahead of science. I've said, I think I said this recently, but all of Leviticus, again, boring part of the Bible. You want to know why? I'll tell you briefly why Leviticus is super important to people who are not observing the old Mm -hmm. uh, military camp laws of, of, the Jews moving across the desert. It's because science didn't know any of this stuff for thousands of years. And in fact, every one of the Israelites would have died crossing the desert. Had they not followed these weird strict rules that seemed to make no sense about mold and blood and cooking and diseases and and stuff like that. So when you look back at it now, you're like, okay, you have two options. Either these are a bunch of random weird rules that people are trying to use to control everybody. And they just, happen to line up with science thousands of years later right. or God knows what he's talking about and listen to him. Next up Leviticus stream. Can't <laughs> no, wait. No, thank you. Please. Don't. <laughs> God's going to ask you to do it. I'm just, I'm just telling <sighs> you right not. now. I hope not. <laughs> I heard that, someone that, that, say that's, that's for Jess. Jess can go over <laughs> the scientific aspects of Leviticus. Um, I heard uh, it was a joke among missionaries that it was like, never tell God where you don't want to go what you don't want to do because that's where he's gonna like send you or someone's like please god don't send me to africa it's like oh listen listen guys you should pray for all kinds of things uh never pray for patience ever just don't do it (laughs) because god will give it to you and if you understand how you earn patience yeah anyway (laughs) you know what's worse than praying for patience (laughs) praying for wisdom yeah that's the most painful stuff out there i would rather have <coughs> patience i would rather pray i wish i could take back i was just kidding i don't now that i have it i'm like fine but <laughs> oh my gosh sorry we'll child, move on I, in a second but i i i see pre raphaelite with this thing it says i think revelation speaks about not being able to buy or sell without the mark of the beast even 10 years ago seemed impossible. Now so easy since Sweden has vaccine passports and mm-hmm. microchips. Understand. See, this is the thing, right? Is Science I know a lot of people wanted up. to make. Yeah, yeah. I know a lot of people wanted to make the the COVID stuff into this is the mark of the beast. And I, I said from the beginning, 
It's not, but it is a precursor. It is saying like it, it's a test of the world to see if they would accept a mark to buy or sell. I and mean, now we know they will. The, the vast majority of people, if you say, mm-hmm. will inconvenience you at the grocery store, will do anything, put anything in their skin, mm-hmm. put any mark on their body to not inconvenience their lives. And it's only going to get worse the more that we're used to everything, doing everything for us. The more that we're used to prime shipping, the more likely the mark of the beast becomes yep. every single day. <sighs> anyway, sorry. Um, yeah. Okay. First 10. And as for their appearance, the four had the same likeness as if a wheel were within a wheel. When they went, they went in any of their four directions without turning as they went, but in whatever direction the front wheel faced and the others followed without turning as they went. The repetition too is not an accident, right? No. Like Ezekiel's very repetitive, but it's a, it's a very important rep- repetition. It's yeah. like, please don't miss the fact that these wheels function this way. Please mm-hmm. don't miss it. I'm going to say it 5,000 times. <laughs> And their whole body, their rims and their spokes, their wings and the wheels were full of eyes all around and the wheels that had the four of them, that the four of them had. I also think it's interesting, this this weird synchronicity between, it seems like he's talking about a machine, but also it seems like he's talking about a creature. And, and I don't think he's wrong that it's both. Have we been looking at UFOs as if they're just machines and they're not though? Like legitimately, oh my it's a question. Oh my goodness. Okay, here's a great example. Here's a great example. Have you seen the movie Us? Or no, not Us. Have you seen the movie Nope? No. Okay, I want to spoil this movie a little bit for you guys. Sorry. In the movie Nope, if you see the trailer, it's a UFO. It's stalking these people in in California somewhere, in in the wide open parts Mm -hmm. of California, right? This guy raises horses for movies. And you see this triangular UFO that's following them around and sucking things up by an tractor beam and, uh-huh. and stuff like that. You find out it's not, it's not a machine. It is a sky. It's a sky squid. It's essentially uh, <laughs> like a stingray that floats and it's it, the tractor beam is its mouth and it's sucking things in and eating them and spinning their bones back out. So like <laughs> sometimes Hollywood's really onto stuff. Sometimes they have some knowledge and it just makes you wonder. It's like, is this machine? Is this creature? Yes. Yes. I think. Is it, is it spiritual? Yes. It, Does it have it's a body? all of them yes. though. That's, I think people get so hung up on like, we have a very 1950s movie version of UFOs and, and little green men and stuff like that. It's all wrong. Yeah. It's like, it's like even the atheists that studied the, the grays are like, are they physical? Yes. Are they s- supernatural? Yes. Yes. It, it, like they're, it's all, it's all the things. <sighs> Fascinating. Anyway. See, this is why we read the Bible, so that we can yes. <laughs> find out stuff like this. Um, the wheel, Okay, and the wheels were full of eyes all around, the wheels that the four of them had. As for the wheels, they were called in my hearing the whirling wheels. Quote. And every one had four faces. The first face was the face of a cherub, and the second face was a human face, and the third the face of a lion, and the fourth the face of an eagle, okay. and the cherubim mounted up. These were the living creatures that I saw by the Cheaper Canal. So he's he's saying right here, these are the same creatures I saw before. Can can we pause really quickly? Mm-hmm. Because I think I think that the faces are different in this. Are are they? One of the faces. I thought so. So let me let me just check. Okay. One face was that of a cherub, while the faces of the human being, lion, and eagle are identical to those in mm-hmm. one ten. The ox here is called a cherub. Okay, so it's calling it a cherub instead of an ox, but if I if I have this correct, 
this is another one of those description of angel type things where Mm. that word. So as with seraph, right? Seraph Uh is another word used in the Bible for snake. So you get this idea of lizard people, aliens, right? Like angels, right? Yeah. Cherub is a word for ox. So when you think of, you know, like these angel creatures looking pretty odd, maybe, maybe this is even the idea we get of like, Bullmen and stuff like that. So okay. I find this interesting that like it's huh. something that people overlook, but the angels again, be not afraid. I don't look like a human. I don't I don't look like a dude in a white robe with a sun mm-hmm. disc. That's a very modern, bad interpretation of of biblical angels. So I do find it funny. Um I have a fact, question here. Yeah, go ahead. I have I'm a picture in my Bible of a cherub, uh, according to the old Phoenician uh ivory statues and it looks like uh it it's like a winged bull with a human-ish face so it's kind of like a minotaur with wings is what it looks like mm, okay. anyway go ahead when it says four faces i'm picturing four heads you four are faces. i've always had a hard time just figuring it out because i'm like where the ear is like a face is like right. how i think of it yeah right I've, I've always pictured it so, something like that, right? Four mm-hmm. heads or four faces on one head. But what if it's like, I have four faces, happy, sad. Like, well, I, it does say four they're, ways they can present themselves. Or are they facing It does directions? say they're facing different directions. Okay, okay. So. then I'm yeah. wrong. Okay, cool. cool. No, but this, this is the thing. This is why we ask questions. But exactly. yeah, no, it does say that they're different directions. No, I committed a heresy by asking a question that was wrong. <laughs> You would think so. You would, but how many people have been treated that way? So many. Yeah. People are like, yeah. Oh, it's terrible. Like, just ask questions. God's not going to. Gosh. When you're okay, there's a difference between when you're like, I have a simple question. I'm just, I'm just. Did God really say, like, that's a different one, right? Yeah. Because there are a lot of people in my replies on Twitter who will ask really dishonest questions. And, And it's really clear. But it's but God knows the difference between someone like I'm, I'm trying to figure this out. I'm pursuing truth. I'm asking because I don't understand and I want to, as opposed to asking because you're trying to steer the conversation in a certain direction and and trap the the speaker. Okay, uh, and the cherubim mounted up. These were the living creatures that I saw by the Cheber Canal. And when the cherubim went. The wheels went beside them. And when the cherubim lifted up their wings to mount up from the earth, the wheels did not turn from beside them. When they stood still, these stood still. And when they mounted up, these mounted up with them. For the spirit of the living creatures was in them. Then the glory of the Lord went out from the threshold of the house and stood over the cherubim. And and the cherubim lifted up their wings and mounted up from the earth before my eyes as they went out with the wheels beside them. And they stood at the entrance of the east gate of the house of the Lord. And the glory of the God of Israel was over them. These were the living creatures that I saw underneath the God of Israel by the Cheber Canal. And I knew that they were cherubim. Each had four faces and each four wings and underneath their wings, the likeness of human hands. And as for the likeness of of their faces, they were the same faces whose appearance I had seen by the Cheever Canal. Each one of them went straight forward. This also does sound different than how we think of human bodies with wings coming off the back. Mm-hmm. But this sounds more like the wing and the hand coming out of it kind of thing. So more like uh, like Vulture, if you're thinking like Marvel mm, and stuff like that. Sure, you know? sure, sure. Yeah. It's interesting. I don't know. Crazy stuff. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's chapter 10. Chapter 10's a wild ride. Um, <laughs> that was a wild, yeah. That was a lot. So, 
just want to make sure I'm not missing anything. Really, really intent on describing these things to us so that we know how to recognize them later. He's like, I saw them once and I saw them again and it was the same thing. It's very intent on us knowing this. Yeah. Yeah, and in this, he talks about taking the coals out of the middle of the wheels. I just have so many questions about this. Yeah. Well, let's see if let's see if there's more about this in eleven. But yeah, for sure, it's this one. I feel more confused about than the first one. But yeah, it's very interesting. I think I maybe I was just getting too hung up on the the physical description. But again, it, you like you keep pointing out, it keeps repeating it. It's like pay yeah. attention to the physical description a bit. Yeah. And I think it's, again, I think it's like, we're not going to get it until we get it. Like, mm-hmm. we're going to recognize it when we see it. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's not making a lot of sense right now because we can't be like, oh, yeah, I've seen that before. Like, we haven't seen it. So it's hard to connect it with something real. Um, the spirit lifted me up and brought me to the east gate of the house of the Lord, which faces east. And behold, at the entrance of the gateway, there were 25 men. And I saw Is that number them, again, by the way. Mm-hmm. Jazaniah, the son of Azar. That's the second time th- that guy's been mentioned. It's the same 25 men as before. Yeah. The ones that were facing away from the temple worshiping the sun. Just yeah. pointing that out. Okay. And Pelatiah, the son of Beniah, princes of the people. And he said to me, son of man, these are the men who devise iniquity and who give wicked counsel to this city. In this city. Sorry. Who, who says the time is not near to build houses. This city is the cauldron and we are the meat. Therefore prophesy against them, prophesy, O son of man. And the spirit of the Lord fell upon me and he said to me, thus says the Lord, so you think, O house of Israel, for I know the things that come into your mind. You have multiplied your slain in this city and have filled its streets with the slain. Therefore thus says the Lord God, your slain whom you have laid in the midst of it, they are the meat and this city is the cauldron, but you shall be brought out of the midst of it. You have feared the sword and I will bring the sword upon you, declares the Lord God. And I will bring you out of the midst of it and give you into the hands of foreigners and execute judgments upon you. You shall fall by the sword. I will judge you at the border of Israel and you shall know that I am the Lord. The city shall not be your cauldron, nor shall you be the meat in the midst of it. I will judge you at the border of Israel and you shall know that I am the Lord. For you have not walked in my statutes, nor obeyed my rules, but have acted according to the rules of the nations that are around you. And it came to pass while I was prophesying that Peltiah, the son of Beniah, died. Then I fell down on my face and cried out with a loud voice and said, Ah, Lord God, will you make a full end of the remnant of Israel? Yeah, I mean, because this is breaking his heart. Like, in one hand, he wants to see, uh, I mean, the wants to see Israel restored and the people punished for their right. wickedness and things like that. I, I truly believe, but it doesn't make it good right. or easy. And I think people are struggling with a, this a lot all the time when it comes to the concept of justice is like, mm-hmm. sometimes justice is really ugly, but sometimes the things that we're getting justice for that, that God wants justice for are much uglier. We've just prettied them up. I don't know mm-hmm. why this, this whole part made me think when he's talking about, you're slain or the meat and this is your cauldron. It's just, it really, and again, maybe this I'm reading into what I'm seeing into it, but like, I just can't stop thinking about things like abortion where it's like our whole culture has just got this deep evil sin that everybody's just prettied up. And it's just like these sacrifices of children are just happening every day. I want to look back at that phrase though, the meat and the cauldron thing and see if there's Mm -hmm. anything because that's just interesting to me. So, um, because it, it it was it's a phrase that comes out of the 
the elder smells first, the bad guy smells first, and God takes it. He's like, you're right to an extent, and I'm going to correct your view on this. And then he he uses that same turn of phrase. Yeah. Because their, their view is just like, it's hopeless. Everything is hopeless. We're going to die in our city, meet in the cauldron. And God's like, mm, kind of. So here's here's what it says about verse three. It says, um, quote, having our house has been recently built, the residents of Jerusalem who were not exiled by the Babylonians in 597 BC felt smugly secure, mm. thinking they had no further Babylonian threat to fear. Uh, as in chapter 24, Jerusalem is compared to a cooking pot. Those left behind boasted that they were the meat, the choice portions. The mm. inference being that the exiles in Babylon were actually the discarded bones. Oh, I was thinking of it as like a... I was thinking of it very differently too. Yeah. See, this again, is, this is why we got to like look for reference. and, and It's like one uh, of those yeah. like the idioms in, a, in another language yeah. just go very different directions. And that's why I always like, I know sometimes I'll say this is what it makes me think, but I also don't want to just be like, I'm reading my own thing into it. I want to like make sure right. that I'm understanding the idioms. Um, Sorry, I committed another heresy. By asking questions. By being wrong about yeah. my initial reading. This is the thing. It's okay. To, yeah. Like it's okay <laughs> to be wrong. Just try to find the answers. Right. Uh, another one from verse seven. It says the bodies you have thrown there are the meat. The meat refined by the prophet is not those in power in Jerusalem who will be driven out, but the innocent people they killed. So I was mm. right to some degree. Okay. So that's interesting though, because what I was, what I was saying is it feels like what he's saying is, you're not the meat. You're not the choice portion. You right. killed the choice portion. The children. That's why I think of children, right? The, like the most innocent. Yeah. The most innocent of all of us, the ones who have done no wrong and no evil. They were the choice meat. You killed them. You're the bones. You, nobody like God doesn't want you. He'll spit you from his mouth. Right? Holy crap. Right? Wow. This is, this is the other thing that you have to understand in reading the old Testament is, is I've seen, well, we've seen a lot of Jew hatred this week. So let's just, mm. let's just address this, right? People will read the old Testament and say, look at the wicked Jews, look at the, what the Jews were doing and how God was right. constantly frustrated with them. And he, he had to like keep punishing them. And <laughs> for, for the same people who will say that the, the, the modern church is the new Israel, that Israel's not a real country, that it doesn't exist, that, all of that stuff. They seem to not understand that this is about all of us. This is the thing that nobody mm-hmm. understands. Like this is God. If, if we're God's chosen people now, right? Like if that's, if that's, and again, it's, it's a bit of both. Oh, I don't, we I don't, want it both ways, right? <laughs> we're the new Israel, but we don't, but we God don't want the judgments that like God this. had. Yeah. God had on Israel when they were wicked. Right. Yeah. That's my point that I'm making. Right. Is like, this is the, <sighs> You can see this time and time again. The probably the best example. I can't remember his name right now. Do you remember the prophet that married the the prostitute? Hosea. Hose, it was Hosea. Okay, I think, I think so. so. Maybe. That's what popped into my head. So I'm go with it. <sighs> it's one of them. It's one of the minor prophets. The the twelve minor prophets after the major prophets. Um, and by minor and major, by the way, that doesn't mean one less oh, important. Yes. It's it's about length of book. So you've got Daniel, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and then. I'm missing one. And then you have the 12 minor prophets like Mm -hmm. Joel and Hosea and Hezekiah. Anyway, my point is 
One of these men married a prostitute. And the point of this whole thing was your, your woman is going to sleep with everybody. She's going to cheat on you. She's going to whore around. She's going to make your life miserable. She's not going to listen to you. She's not going to respect your authority. Now you know how I feel. <laughs> like that was God. So <laughs> like, okay, when people just, think this is relegated to just Israel, this is, this is humans for all of time. And if you are one of God's chosen people as a, as a, as a Jew or as a Christian, right? Like, uh-huh. This is this is this is important to you is my point. It's not right. look at these awful Jews and they didn't listen to God. We're not look at our country. Right. A, a supposedly Christian nation that kills a million children a year that that mutilates the ones that come out of the womb alive that has a, a porn problem like you wouldn't believe. Mm-hmm. We're not a good culture. We are, we are <laughs> find me 10, right? Like just if if 10 people are holy, I won't destroy. You know what I'm saying? This, we should- we're Sodom and Gomorrah by the sea. We should do Hosea, but let me let me just give you yeah. a, like a quick, like a really quick, because I think this is important because. For sure. Okay. Let me just, okay. Uh, chopped, uh, Hosea. It was Hosea though? Yeah. Hosea. Okay, good. One, two. God's like, go marry a prostitute. And he marries Gomer. Yep. And then it's just, she cheats on him. He takes her back. And there's all these parallels. Isaiah, sorry. Isaiah was the one major prophet I couldn't think of. <laughs> Thank you, Nana Cece. I was like, I know there's one more. Go ahead. And there's, there's, it kind of goes back and forth where it's like, you're unrepentant. And, and because you're doing these things, you're going to be judged. You're going to reap what you're sowing and, and you're going to be punished. And, but I love you. And, and talking about how much he loves Israel. And then, more judgment and then the the very last chapter is just a plea for Israel to return to the Lord. And I think that this is the point the point of it is like, I get it, I married a whore and you suck and you're the worst, but mm-hmm. I love you. And and it, it, Hosea doesn't end with Gomer dying in shame and being put away finally at the end. Right. And like him marrying another woman who's code for the church. That's, that's not what happens. It's, it's always Gomer people. Well, you've brought this verse up and I feel like it's really important for people to, to understand again. Can you bring up the verse of the vine? The vine in um, Matthew. Uh, I could just Google it probably, but <clears throat> cause I know you've, you've explained it really well, but uh, that we shoot. were the vine grafted onto the branch. Is it, is it Matthew? I thought it was. Shoot, I thought it was. Um, I will just look this Romans. up really quick. I thought it was maybe Romans. Y- you know what? It could be. Ah, Bonnie trail, everybody. But you're right. Um, okay. Romans 11. I'm going to. Yes. This is you're what right. we're talking Romans about. I'm, I'm going to read this because I think we need we need it in the in this conversation. It is a little bit. Um, yeah. And then we'll get back to Ezekiel. But yeah. this is very important. Um, okay, the re- the remnant of Israel. I ask then, has God rejected his people? By no means. For I myself am an Israelite, a descendant of Abraham. This is Romans 12. I'm sorry, Romans 11. Romans 11. Romans 11, yes. Um, a member of the tribe of Benjamin. God has not rejected his people whom he foreknew. Do you not know what the scripture says of Elijah? How he appeals to God against Israel? Lord, they have killed your prophets. They have demolished your altars and I alone am left and they seek my life. But what is God's reply to him? I have kept for myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to Baal. 
so too at the present time there is a remnant chosen by grace. But if it is by grace, it is no longer on the basis of works. Otherwise, grace would no longer be grace. What then? Israel failed to obtain what it was seeking. The elect obtained it, but the rest were hardened. As it is written, God gave them a spirit of stupor, eyes that would not see and ears that would not hear down to this very day. And David says, let their table become a snare and a trap, a stumbling block and a retribution for them. Let their eyes be darkened so that they cannot see and bend their backs forever. So I asked, did they stumble in order that they might fall? By no means. Rather, through their trespass, salvation has come to the Gentiles so as to make Israel jealous. I can't, I can't stress this it's enough. So- We're only saved because God wanted to make his woman jealous. It's it's That's so it. fu- it's so funny to me. <clears throat> this this verse is so oh my gosh, it's it again. This verse is so plain and so not. You know what I mean? You can't misunderstand it. You have to intentionally misunderstand yeah. it because it's not it's not vague in the context. It's very clear, right? Mm-hmm. And again, you you read the first ten verses of the chapter, but even if you even even if you just started eleven eleven Romans eleven eleven and read eleven through twelve, right? It's so clear. I I, I, I want to read it really quick because I just want yeah. It says so. I ask, they stumble in order that they might fall. By no means, rather through their trespasses, salvation has come to the Gentiles as to make Israel jealous. Now, if their trespass means riches for the world, and if their failure means riches for the Gentiles, how much more will will their full inclusion mean? Now I'm speaking to the Gentiles as much as I am to the apostles to the Gentiles. I magnify my ministry in order to make my fellow Jews jealous and thus save some of them. For if Mm -hmm. their rejection means the reconciliation of the world, what will their acceptance mean but life from the dead? If the dough offered as first fruits is holy, so is the whole lump. And if the root is holy, so are the branches. Mm-hmm. But if the branches are broken off, sorry, I'm reading past, I'm yeah, reading into 17 now. So if the branches are broken off and you, although a wild olive shoot, this is the Gentiles, you, a wild olive shoot, were grafted in among the others and now share in the nourishing root of the olive tree, do not be arrogant toward the branches, which is all we're seeing right now. The arrogance, mm-hmm. it is. If you remember, it is not you who support the root, but the root that supports you. People have rejected. They'll read the Old Testament, reject that we came from this this root, right? Mm-hmm. Then you will say branches were broken off so that I might be grafted in. That is true. They were broken off because of their unbelief. But you stand fast through the faith, so you do not become proud, but fear. For if God did not spare the natural branches, neither will he spare you. That's the warning that needs to be understood. <laughs> it's like we're God's chosen people. The Jews suck. That's and that's what people are saying essentially. That there, there's a lot of Jew hatred coming from Christians right now. And then God's like, "Hey, uh, don't get proud because guess what? You were grafted in. You mean less than the original vine." <laughs> Sorry yeah. to say, it's just it's just mind boggling right now. I've just seen a lot of. Uh, I saw one post today where someone was like, why do I care about the Jews when they drove us out of the Holy Land? Uh, they hate us, this and that. I'm like, well, you drove them. This is from a Catholic. I'm like, well, who, who, who drove them who out drove of the Holy Land? Out? I'm sorry. <laughs> Excuse me? Yeah, I was like, it was like, it was a predominantly Catholic area and then they drove us out and I'm like, well, who was it predominantly before and who drove them out? Anyway, <laughs> sorry, I, I'll get off of the subject, but it's just like, the, the arrogance needs to to stop. It's it's 
it's not it's not becoming of us anyway to think that we are deserving of salvation. This is the whole opposite yeah. message of the Bible is that we're all broken. We're all not deserving of salvation. We've been grafted in and we should be grateful. And instead yeah. we've become proud. And hateful. Towards and hateful. Like, oh and hateful. Yes. And this is why I have. This is, real- this is God's purview and not yours is my point. Your purview is that God found it fit to save you through mm-hmm. grace. And instead you've become proud and hateful towards others. And that's not, it's just not your purview. That's, that's, you know, these, these are God's people and he wants to redeem them. I'm not saying that they can reject Jesus and it's all good and hunky dory. I know some people will take that away from this. I'm not saying that he's say, not saying that in Romans, he's saying he wants to save these people. Yeah. And that's uh, like been the, I, just, I feel like it's so obvious, but I, I know that people will, uh, it's, I, yeah, I think some people just don't care what the Bible actually has to say about these things. But um, did you? We got a we got a five dollar rumble rant from. We can go back to Ezekiel in a minute. We got a five dollar rumble rant from from Cody. Says even let's be frank has been doing that. I he says your. I, I don't know. I know Cody's been out of out of it for a minute, and we've been praying for you, Cody. And I'm glad to see you back in the chat and everything. Uh, but well, there's not a there's not a relationship there anymore. It's kind of a kind of a thing. But my point is, I don't know what he's been saying, but yes, I, I'm not surprised. Yeah. I know the, I know that group of people and I know they're, they're feeling towards the Jews. Uh, and I, I don't stand for it. So anyway, what were you saying, Abby? Uh, did we finish reading Romans 11? No, I, I stopped, uh, At first I can, I can con- continue it though. So, uh, that is true. They were broken off because of their unbelief, but you stand fast through the faith. So do not become proud, but fear for if God did not spare the natural branches, neither will he spare you. Note then the kindness and the severity of God, severity towards those who have fallen, but God's kindness to you provided you continue in his kindness. Mm. Otherwise you too will be cut off. And even they, if they do not continue, if they do not continue in their unbelief will be grafted back in for God has the power to graft them in again. For if you were cut off from what is nat- uh, by nature, a wild olive tree and grafted contrary to nature into a cultivated olive tree. How much more will these, the natural branches be grafted back into their own olive tree. Again, the point of revelation, the point of, of, of this, this chapter 11 in Romans is God's, is he, God's hope and plan for, for the Jews. Right. And, and this is, this is, we see this time and time and time again, right? Is the Jews rebel, they're punished and God's through God's grace and through struggle and tribulation, he -hmm. wants to bring them back in. And I feel like so much of revelation is about that. And we've made it about ourselves a little too much. Mm -hmm. Like every, every reference that we're like, Oh, that's probably United as, States. as if we can't just be again <laughs> exuberantly grateful that to God has included. included us in salvation and given us grace when we don't deserve it either. The the yeah. pride and the haughtiness of people is just insane. You're okay. you're all sinners saved by grace. You're, yes. you're you didn't earn this thing. Anyway, uh, <sighs> hold on, base babe. I gotta I gotta find this comment. Where is this? Um, it's not refreshing for me. Let me try something really because <laughs> I want to put it on screen. Uh, yeah, mine's been having the same problem. Yeah. 
I'll, I'll message him afterwards. It's having a few issues. I'll just read it. It says, <laughs> where did it go? Um, like, Lyle, shut up. You're just his side chick. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Anyway, thank you for that, Frida. <laughs> yeah, Solomon had um, 800 wives, but he wrote Song of Solomon about one lady. <laughs> It's so. one one lady and seven hundred ninety nine or six hundred ninety nine side chicks and three hundred concubines. <laughs> but like he he loved one he loved one I think is is kind of the, the yeah. point. like he really loved one. Um, I don't know why he was the way that he was, but okay, moving on. Um, I put my marker in Ezekiel so I can go back. Mm-hmm. Okay, we were halfway through chapter eleven. Yeah, we're at uh, verse fourteen. And the word of the Lord came to me, son of man, your brothers, even your brothers, your kinsmen, the whole house of Israel, all of them are those of whom the inhabitants of Jerusalem have said, go far from the Lord to us. This land is given for a possession. Therefore say, thus says the Lord God, though I removed them far off among the nations and though I scattered them among the countries, yet I have been a sanctuary to them for a while in the countries where they have gone. Therefore say, thus says the Lord God, I will gather you from the peoples and assemble you out of the countries where you have been scattered and I will give you the land of Israel. This is, this is a prophecy that, that was fulfilled in 1948, right? He, he, he gave them the land of Israel again. And I think this is one of those prophecies that's got dual fulfillments. And, yeah. I, and this is something that people argue over. It's like, well, they got their land back after the 70 years, but I don't think it ends there. And I think yeah. that the reason Revelation is so uh, cross-referential with Ezekiel is because it's telling you that this is a dual fulfillment prophecy. So another example of this, we gave this a few weeks ago. When Moses, uh, I'd have to look up the verse, but basically it says he'll come out of the land of Egypt. This prophet will come out of the land of Egypt. Mm -hmm. And we see the fulfillment in Moses. And then when Jesus is born, the disciples write about it. This was the fulfillment of that that law. So it tells you in the Bible itself, it's not unclear that this is a dual fulfillment prophecy, that there's a prophecy about Moses coming out of the land of Egypt and what he's going to do. And he's going to bring the law. And then Christ is going to come out of the land of Egypt and he's going to bring, he's going to be the fulfillment of the law. So I think this is another one of those ones where it's like, I'm going to scatter you across the, the earth and then I'm going to gather you back to your lands. So yeah, no, I a hundred percent agree. I know I'm just, I'm saying that because some people will be like, this was already fulfilled after the 70 years. I think this is very clearly through revelation and other references telling you this is a dual fulfillment prophecy. Yeah. Yeah. Because it wasn't <clears throat> the scattering was bigger the second time and the ingathering is bigger the second time. Yes. Right? Yeah, hundred percent. Um, okay, let's see. And when they come there, they will remove from it all its detestable things and all its abominations, and I will give them one heart and a new spirit I will put within them. I will remove the heart of stone from their flesh and give them a heart of flesh. I don't think that that this has happened yet. And that's why. That's another reason. Yeah, I was about to say Mm. the same thing. That's another reason why I don't think this was fulfilled after the 70 years. Or like, again, you've got like that. uh, I've heard it described as like the foothill and then the mountain. Like you, you get a fulfillment of the prophecy that's like, Smaller and then smaller, a bigger one. but it's still, yeah. it still looks right. But then when the real one comes, it's like, oh, that's it. It's like the other day when somebody was uh, putting on Twitter all their friends by like nicknames, and I saw one that said like um, "whitest guy you know," and I was like, oh, that must be me. And then I saw the next one, and it said uh, "mutton chops blue beam," and I was like, oh no, that's me. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, anyway. Um, yeah. <laughs> I just had to throw you I off remember, of that one. I remember that. Thanks, um, thanks, Cam, by the way. And I will give them one heart and a new spirit I will put within them. I will remove the heart of stone from their flesh and give them a heart of flesh that they may walk in my statutes and keep my rules and obey them. And they shall be my people and I will be their God. But as for those whose heart goes after the detestable things and their abominations, I will bring their deeds upon their own heads, declares the Lord God. Then the cherubim lifted up their wings and the wheels beside them and the glory of the Lord of, of, and the glory of the God of Israel was over them. And the glory of the Lord went up from the midst of the city and stood on the mountain that is on the east side of the city. And the spirit lifted me up and brought me in the vision by the spirit of God into Chaldea to the exiles. Then the vision that I had seen went up from me and I told the exiles all the things that the Lord had shown me. I have a feeling I want to play a video if that's okay with you. Do it. Okay. So I, you know that one I sent you earlier, I feel like this is actually a good time to talk about it. Okay. Um, because you talked about the fulfillment of, of prophecy in 1948. Uh, and obviously we titled this stream, are we living in the end times? And we've been talking about the war in Israel and we're, we're seeing dual fulfillment prophecy through mm. Ezekiel. And, and honestly, um, part of me almost wanted to skip ahead tonight to chapters 37 through 40, because I feel like that's some of the dual fulfillment prophecy we're seeing. Um, but I think instead I'm going to reference them because I don't think we should skip over this stuff. I don't think there's, I think we're getting so much out of this. And I think that in order to get to that point where we're seeing that stuff, we have to realize like there's a path in Ezekiel, which is through like long suffering. There's a path that's through you are a fallen nation who has done detestable and awful things. And you as a nation have to repent and you have to get to this place. And I think that that's where I, I, I feel personally convicted by everything that's happened last week to be like, we really have to be better than, mm -hmm. the, than even we thought, you know, like it's, it's serious times in the world right now. And I, I need to take things seriously. And God's been working on me in a lot of ways. So just pray for me guys. I'm taking some big risks with some things coming up because I feel like God's really speaking to me right now, but I really want to, I really want to just play this, this, this video, if that's okay. You know what I'm talking about? I, th I think so. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm ready. Okay. Okay. I just, it just felt, it felt like the right times. So let me. Also, I just posted the entirety of Romans 11 on my Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> um, answered Seder with a $5 rumble rant says, bring back the chops. No, I think Abby will give me $10 to not bring back the chops. <laughs> At least. <laughs> At least. Uh, All right, let's check this out. Uh, should I do this one instead? Will that look better? Yeah, there we go. Oh, probably helps if I turn on the volume, doesn't it? Come on. <laughs> Israel has declared it is at war after Hamas militants confirmed they fired thousands of rockets from Gaza overnight in a major multi-front surprise attack. Hamas has launched a surprise attack within Israel's borders overnight. War in Israel, and particularly the battle for Jerusalem, sends those who know their Bibles to key Bible verses. The re-establishment of Israel in 1948 was a pivotal event in the fulfillment of Bible prophecy. The prophet Ezekiel, writing over 2,500 years ago, spoke of a future restoration of Israel, saying, Thus says the Lord God, Surely I will take the children of Israel from among the nations, wherever they have gone, and will gather them from every side and bring them into their own land. In 70 AD, Israel was scattered among the nations, and the Jews had no homeland for 2,000 years until 1948 when they became a nation in one day. Isaiah 66 verse 8 says, Shall the earth be made to give birth in one day, or shall a nation be born at once? This is what Jesus said of that event. 
and they shall fall by the edge of the sword and be led away captive into all nations, and Jerusalem will be trampled by Gentiles until the time of the Gentiles be fulfilled. That is such an important verse right there that I feel like gets overlooked. Luke 21, 24. I'll read it again. And they will fall by the edge of the sword and be led away captive into all nations. And Jerusalem will be trampled by the Gentiles until the time of the Gentiles are fulfilled. I I don't think that people can overlook the importance of 1948 in biblical prophecy. And I know a lot of people will. Uh, Anyway, we'll continue this video. Since that time, there's been continual conflict between Muslims and Jews for Jerusalem. And none of the nations know how to handle what is commonly called the ongoing Middle East crisis. Listen to Zechariah 12, verses 2 to 3, written thousands of years ago, address the crisis of Jerusalem. And it shall happen that day, I'll make Jerusalem a very heavy stone for all peoples. Jesus spoke of wars being a sign of the end of the age. And you'll hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass. I got a little joke that I made on Twitter, (laughs) but I'm not sure it's a joke. Um, I said... And you will hear of wars, Israel, and rumors of wars, Ukraine. <laughs> and I'm oh kind of joking, but I'm kind of, but I'm kind of not because I'm like, everyone's pointing at the fact that, that Ukraine feels like a wag the dog situation. We've, yeah. Again, I will say this again. How have we seen more war footage of Israel in the last 48 hours than we've seen the last two years from Ukraine? It, it, it is calling it a rumor of a war. <laughs> like, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm probably stretching here. And that's why I said I'm, I'm half joking, but I'm it's, it is odd to me. It's my point. Anyway, <laughs> I'll find this tweet at some point, um. right. <laughs> but the end is not yet for nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. All this will climax in the battle of Armageddon. Revelation six, verse 16 speaks of the gathering of nations at a place called Armageddon, a term synonymous with a final cataclysmic battle. Have you heard of Armageddon? Course. What is that? The the big war at the at the um, at the end, the true good versus evil. Jesus said, "When you see these things begin to happen, look up and lift up your heads, because your redemption draws near." So what should we do? Firstly, we should make sure that we're right with God by trusting in Jesus. Secondly, we must pray for the peace of Jerusalem, and at the same time, take the gospel to the unsaved. An often overlooked sign of the end times is that the gospel will be preached to all nations. Jesus said, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all nations, and then the end will come. Boom. Uh, That's going to cut against the preterist view a bit. But yeah, like we're at that point, are we not? Yeah. If not, we're damn close, right? Like the Bible has been translated into every tongue on earth at this point. We're pretty darn close. I... Like, this is why I've been saying I think that this war right now is going to somehow lead to the rebuilding of the temple because mm-hmm. I don't see where where else we have to go from here. But but that yeah. like it has to happen mm-hmm. for the next part, some of the next parts of the prophecy to happen. And it seems pretty clear in Daniel that not only do some things happen, but that they, they have continuous sacrifice. Yeah. For a few years up until like, it's what three and a half years, yeah, half week, um, three and a half weeks of years, yeah. So it's three yeah. and a half years, yeah, yeah. And this is so interesting to me because literally since March, we've on this show been saying, "You want to see a sign of the end times," which we both believe we're getting, we're, we're approaching. It'll be the the rebuilding of the temple, mm-hmm. and then obviously we've been talking about it. Our Discord's been talking about it. We've we sent updates all the time about the the red heifers. Just a quick explanation: yeah. people don't know what that means. In order to have 
When the temple was destroyed in 70 AD, the Jews could no longer do their temple ritual sacrifices that they were commanded to in Leviticus and, and in the law uh, since 70 AD. So they've never been able to, to, to fulfill the law mm. since then. They want to, there's a thing called the Temple Institute that has been working since the rebuilding of Israel in 1948. And actually, the whole Hebrew language wasn't rediscovered and reinvented, like refound and retaught until 1902, I think. So, like all this end time prophecy in the last hundred and some years. But uh, they, they've been working towards a, a plan to rebuild the temple, which is held by Muslims currently. And they need to have five unblemished red heifers. They need mm-hmm. to have Levitical priests and their Levitical priests have to have robes made out of certain materials. Mm-hmm. In the last decade, they have found and raised, well, I don't know, decade, decades. They've been doing this for a while. Found and raised the, the Levitical priests, planted crops that could make the robes, and just this last month, I believe, they finally have the five unblemished red heifers. So two weeks ago on Unhinged, we said, I think that everybody's freaking out about September 23rd, but we haven't seen the rebuilding of the temple yet. And I, I think yeah. that until we see that, we shouldn't, we're not there. Uh, and I said, I, I still believe it's coming soon. I think back in March, I said, I think it'll be this year. Michael Snyder is who I got this information from. And I felt very convinced that he was correct. Yeah. And then the moment I said, there was two thoughts that, that occurred to me when you texted me on Saturday. And one was, Th- th- this sounds like 9-11, like they let it happen on purpose. Well, d- different than 9-11, yeah. but I feel like they let it happen on purpose. Uh, and Pearl two Harbor. was Pearl Harbor. Pearl Harbor, right. And two was that I think they're going to just, I think they're going to take the temple back. This is the thing mm-hmm. I've been saying for months. I think they're going to do. And then somebody commented on your Twitter. Yeah. Something what? really interesting. Um, what was it? It was like, I wonder if a stray rocket will hit um, the temple mount, the mosque. Yeah, yeah. It's on the temple mount. Um, kind of one of those. What if Israel blows it up and blames it on uh, Hamas, but like go yeah. for it or Hamas anyway, accidentally gets it. I don't know. I know we want to do more research on all this stuff and we'll talk about it more on Thursday, but I just, I still feel like this is, this is what we've been talking about is I feel like this is, this is what this is really about. And it does seem there's some indicators that like Israel's some of the, pro-Palestinian argument has been that Israel's been a little too much trying to get the temple back in the last few weeks. And in mm-hmm. fact, two days before the attack, there were articles saying Jerusalem's really encroaching on the temple mount. And if they don't back off, Palestine's going to attack. So mm-hmm. this does feel very centrally located around the rebuilding of the third temple. I have uh, seen, I've been surprised to see how much people who are pro-Palestine have been bringing up the temple mount. Like mm-hmm. Israel, I think, is being very careful to not say anything about it. But everyone's eyes are on it. Yeah, uh, we got a we got a two dollar rumble rant from oh, caveat yes. ties. It says uh, FYI, someone asked the difference in uh, BS pre mill most. Uh, I'm sorry, he's shortening. Yeah, pre mill. Most of revelation is yet to happen. Post mill. Most has happened. A mill. Revelation is symbolic declaration is a symbolic declaration of the church's struggles. And he's I'm pre mill. Most of revelation has yet to happen. I'm, I am as well. Yeah. 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 There's a good summary of it. And and even within those, there's like, we talked about this last week or two weeks ago, but even in those, like even in post mill, you've got like a offshoot, which is like um, preterism. And then there's Mm -hmm. full preterism and part preterism. And which is, yeah, just to say there's a lot of different, aspects on it. I think, I think specifically just to give one example, this whole thing with 
1948 and Israel and, and these end times prophecies that just could not have ever been fulfilled prior and including the gospel being preached to all nations makes me really not post-millennial. Uh, but anyway, that's a, uh, that's a whole yes. other debate. Do we want to get back to, to Ezekiel? Let's I don't do mean to keep derailing us, but Zeke. we're on a chapter. Good old Zeke. Good old Zeke. We're on chapter 12 now. Uh, yes. Okay. Woo. Woo. Oh, um, Lordy. <laughs> Um, the word of the Lord came to me, son of man, you dwell in the midst of a rebellious house who have eyes to see, but see not who have ears to hear, but hear not for they are a rebellious house. As for you, son of man, prepare for yourself an an exile's baggage and go into exile by day in their sight. You shall go like an exile from your place to another place in their sight. Perhaps they will understand though they are a rebellious house. You shall bring out your baggage by day in their sight as baggage for exile. And you shall go out yourself at evening in their sight as those do who must go into exile. In their sight, dig through the wall and bring your baggage out through it. In their sight, you shall lift the baggage upon your shoulder and carry it out at dusk. You shall cover your face that you may not see the land, for I have made you a sign for the house of Israel. And I did as I was commanded. I brought up my baggage by day as baggage for exile. And in the evening, I dug through the wall with my own hands. I brought out my baggage at dusk, carrying it on my shoulder in their sight. In the morning, the word of the Lord came to me, son of man, has not the house of Israel, the rebellious house said to you, what are you doing? Say to them, what are you doing? I got a point when you finish this that, a, a thought that just occurred to me. Okay. Say to them, thus says the Lord God, this oracle concerns the prince in Jerusalem and all the house of Israel who are in it. Say, I am a sign for you as I have done, so so shall it be done to them. They shall go into exile, into captivity, and the prince who is among them shall lift his baggage upon his shoulder at dusk and shall go out. They shall dig through the wall to bring him out through it. He shall cover his face that he may not see the land with his eyes. And I will spread my net over him and he shall be taken in my snare and I will bring him to Babylon, the land of the Chaldeans, yet he shall not see it and he shall die there. And I will scatter toward every wind, all who are with him, his helpers and all his troops, and I will unsheath the sword after them. And they shall know that I am the Lord when I disperse them among the nations and scatter them among the countries. But I will let a few of them escape from the sword, from famine and pestilence, that they may declare all their abominations among the nations where they go and may know that I am the Lord. What was your point? Ezekiel seems like the original performance artist. <laughs> like, is he doing, is he doing like white yeah. performance art, like, like opposite Marina Abramovich type stuff? Because a lot of what we see in Ezekiel is so yeah. different from all the other prophets. Like the other prophets are going into town squares and saying, the Lord gave me this message or, yeah. or turn from your wicked ways. The end is nigh. And Ezekiel's like, I'm just going to like do performance art. I'm going to like lay on my side for a year and a half mm -hmm. and then like cut my hair up in the town square and cook food out of, out of cow dung and, and all this weird stuff as a point, as a greater example. So this is like his rhythm zero, <laughs> but like not dark. Like I'm not, I'm not even joking. It, it, it feels like as we talked about the Marina Abramovich, the stuff she's doing has power. Her art has actual magical properties to it, but the mm -hmm. dark arts, she's yeah. a dark artist. Ezekiel feels like the, he's doing stuff like that, but for God in a very like opposite right. way. Well, it feels like it has some sort of power to make them see. Yes. Like you're not going to see this if I just say it. Yeah. I'm going to be I an do example. This thing yeah. in front of you. Well, it's a vi visual media. Like one thing I learned about doing music, right. Was I always thought that if you were a really good musician, that that was the point. And then I learned, um, <laughs> odd story. I actually had a class from Taylor Swift's stage coach one time. 
teaching about stage presence uh, in when okay. I was in Nashville. Okay. And what I learned was that 70% of musical performance is visual, mm. which you wouldn't think, but it's like, these are the things you do. This is how you, you interact with the crowd. This is like what you do with your, you know, your movements, how you walk on the stage, how you look at people like the whole, not, you know, whole thing, because just putting out good music is not, like nobody's going to remember you. Nobody's going to go to your merch table afterwards. It's not going to stick with people. Right. 70% of what t- people take take away from your concert has nothing to do with your song. Mm. It's just what you physically do in front of people. So there is a p- power to performance art, right? Like there is a power to the visual, yeah. the visual medium instead of just, huh. you could say things so you're blue in the face and people won't get it, but they might see it. Well, this is how, <laughs> this is how bands succeeded when their songs made no sense at all. Mm-hmm. There's some really awful bands who have really great stage presence. And and I think that they just, I, I could give examples all day, but there's a band I absolutely will never listen to, but I will go to their concert if they ever play anytime, anywhere, because they're so good live. <laughs> could never buy an album of theirs. I could think they suck, buy, but they're they so suck, good live. But I'll, I'll go see them anytime they're in Truth, to, No, for real. Yeah, That's I've seen them funny. live three times and I hate their music. <laughs> I hate this band so much. I've seen them three times. <laughs> to be fair, I was at a festival. I didn't go out of my way to mm-hmm, see mm-hmm, this sure, band. Sure, 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 sure. Can't even remember their, the Chariot. That's who it is. You can't remember the name. Yeah, you no, do. I remember it. Yeah, no. you do. The Chariot. Yeah. I think their music sucks, but they're really good live. <laughs> oh my god. Um, <laughs> Tom Vax me says, "Show us." What do you want me to show you? Stage presence. Stage presence. Obviously. Yeah. He does. He's he shows you every. Every this is my this is my stage presence. This is it. He's here. Yeah, he's present. I am present. <laughs> present. Um, we're on seventeen now. Okay, and I'm derailing the crap out of this. I apologize, guys. Oh, that's why you guys came, right? <laughs> For all the bunny trails. Yep. Um, and the word of the Lord came to me, son of man, eat your bread with quaking and drink water with trembling. And with anxiety and say to the people of the land, thus is the Lord God concerning the inhabitants of Jerusalem and the land of Israel. They shall eat their bread with anxiety and drink water in dismay. And this way her land will be stripped of all it contains on account of the violence of all those who dwell in it. And the inhabited city shall be laid waste and the land shall become a desolation. And you shall know that I am the Lord. Even in the midst of this. Like incredible, like brutal um judgment the point is that they'll know him yeah right the point is that they come back to the truth and the word of the lord came to me son of man what is this proverb that you have about the land of israel saying quote the days grow long and every vision comes to nothing tell them therefore thus says the lord god i will put an end to this proverb And they shall no more use it as a proverb in Israel, but say to them, the days are near and the fulfillment of every vision for there shall be no more any false vision or flattering divination within the house of Israel. For I am the Lord. I will speak the word that I will speak and it will be performed. (laughs) It will be performed. It will no longer be delayed, but in your days, O rebellious house, I will speak the word and perform it declares the Lord God. And the word of the Lord came to me, son of man, behold, they of the house of Israel say the vision that he sees is for many days from now, and he prophesies of times far off. Therefore say to them, thus says the Lord God, none of my words will be delayed any longer, but the word that I speak will be performed, declares the Lord God. 
I feel like this is where we're at right now, where this this attitude toward biblical prophecy is kind of back with this proverb where um, the days grow long and every vision comes to nothing. Yeah. Yeah. That, I mean, that is interesting. I heard someone say the other day that uh, <clears throat> anybody who's prophesied since the new Testament is, is a false prophet and that it's unbiblical to, to prophesy or to be a prophet or anything like that. And they're like, they're wrong. The Bible would, would disagree with them. But my point is I understand it. Like I understand that there are so many false prophets that have been so for so long doing whatever they can to either either get money for their church or do this or that or the other. And it's just like, at some point I feel like the overwhelming amount of false prophecy and fake preachers and stuff like that has just made people calloused to, to seeing what is actually there, right? The days grow long. Nothing's coming true. Why do I care? I don't know. Yeah. Well, that was the end of that chapter. What do we think? Are we, we going to keep going or are we going to? Well, I, I don't want to keep you too long. Do we want to do one more? We <clears throat> do one more. Yeah, we'll do. Yeah. If we finish 13, we start at 14 next time. I mean, that's how many? Yeah. Ver- was, um, yeah, them- yeah. I think that's solid. Okay. And then the chapters. Well, or. Or do we want to push through 13 and 14? Are they short? Because then we would be no. doing about seven a, a piece well, each stream. I think we did um, a lot of We did extra. a lot of extra. We could end it here. We could come back at 13 next time. What do you guys think in the chat? Just say what you want. I'm, I'm, I'm okay to do one more. Um, if you're cool to do one more, let's do one more. Okay. Ta-ta-ta. The word of the Lord came to me, son of man, prophesy against the prophets of Israel who are prophesying and say to those who prophesy from their own hearts, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, woe to the foolish prophets who follow their own spirit and have seen nothing. That's what I was literally just talking about. Yeah. I didn't even realize that was the next thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Your prophets have been like jackals among the ruins, O Israel. You have not gone up into the breaches or built up a wall for the house of Israel that it might stand in battle in the day of the Lord. They've seen false visions and lying divinations. They say declares the Lord when the Lord has not sent them. And yet they expect him to fulfill their word. Have you not seen a false vision and uttered a lying divination? Whenever you have said declares the Lord, although I have not spoken. (sighs) Ah. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, because you have uttered falsehood and seen lying visions and therefore behold, I am against you, declares the Lord God. My hand will be against the prophets who see false visions and who give lying divinations. They shall not be in the council of my people, nor be enrolled in the register of the house of Israel, nor shall they enter the land of Israel. And you shall know that I am the Lord God precisely because they have misled my people saying peace when there is no peace. And because when the people build a wall, these prophets smear it with whitewash Say to those who smear it with whitewash that it shall fall. There will be a deluge of rain and you, O great hailstones, will fall and a stormy wind break out. And when the wall falls, will it not be said to you, where is the coating with which you smeared it? Therefore, thus says the Lord God, I will make a stormy wind break out in my wrath and there shall be a deluge of rain in my anger and great hailstones in wrath to make a full end. And I will break down the wall that you have smeared with whitewash and bring it down to the ground so that its foundation will be laid bare. 
When it falls, you shall perish in the midst of it, and you shall know that I am the Lord. Thus will I spend my wrath upon the wall and upon those who have smeared it with whitewash, and I will say to you, The wall is no more, nor those who smeared it. The prophets of Israel who prophesied concerning Jerusalem and saw visions of peace for her, when there was no peace, declares the Lord God. Thoughts. <laughs> That's about halfway through the chapter. Yeah. Oh, <clears throat> I want to read the last two verses again. Thus I will spend my wrath upon the wall and upon those who smeared it with whitewash. And I will say to you, the wall is no more those who smeared it. The prophets of Israel who prophesied concerning Jerusalem and saw visions of peace for her when there was no peace, declares the Lord God. So many people... I think what he, I think what this is pointing to is something that's true. Again, the Bible's true because it's true of all human nature for all time. Uh, things like Ezekiel are not out of date just because they mm-hmm. happened a long time ago. Yeah, and 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 in this, it's like these soothsayers. We see this all the time. We see these people who are like, "I'm going to say the thing that's popular. I'm going to say the thing that people want to hear." Mm-hmm. And I'll say it's from the Lord even if, if, if that'll be even that'll be twice as good because they won't just hear what they want to hear, but they'll feel justified in, in hearing what they want to hear. Mm-hmm. And he, these people are saying it's good. It's fine. There's peace. The, the, the world is great and it's not. And I just I think that this has been I've just seen this so much with people who are just not willing to admit where we are at. Yeah. And because of that, they've, they've excused great sin. They've excused the worst atrocities in our nation, in the world, yeah, whatever, in order to get that support, money, whatever it is, and it's uh, fame, I don't know. Uh, human nature never changes is my point. <clears throat> um, all the TikTok prophets, all the yeah. September 23rd prophets. Yeah, yeah. We're seeing it a lot. And I think sometimes it's not that something is true for all time, but that it's true in cycles and we're noticing in specific we're in, times in a cycle yeah, yeah, where yeah. this is true again. Yeah. hundred percent. This is true, but yeah, you're right. It's the TikTok profits, isn't it? It's like, this is going to happen. It doesn't happen, but they got their views and their likes and their, uh, boosting the algorithm and they just keep doing these things time and time and time again. So yeah, I don't know. Like this, this to me is like, there are times where I know we'll say things that are not, helpful to the growth of the show or to our bank accounts or things like that. But I don't care. I want to say what I feel. Yeah. Constantly. (laughs) I want to say what, what I feel is true, what God has led me to. And you know, it's a constant reminder for me because we're we're all fallen people. We all, Mm -hmm. we can all make mistakes. And I, I, I feel like when I read stuff like this, I'm like, it's a reminder to say what I feel called to say and not what I feel people want to hear. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's hard. Sometimes like that we want to do fun things and we want to say f- things that, that are fun. And I'm just like, but it's not true. And I can't say it and I can't push this idea. So I don't know. It's just, I feel like that's more for me than the audience. I'm just thinking to myself right now. It's just like, I want to make sure that like stuff like this is, is things that uh, you and me feel responsible to, to remember. <clears throat> No, we're not beholden to the audience, but we're beholden to God is my point. A hundred percent. And um, yeah, he can take care of our wallets. Yep. We don't need you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a second. <laughs> but we do have a Columbus Day sale today. <laughs> do we? Yeah, code Italian, uh, hawkamedia.com <laughs> slash conspiracy. I put it on Twitter and Instagram. Anyway, 
I wasn't going to do it I, like I, an ad yeah, read in a viral perfect. thing. I was just making a joke. But. Oh. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I just wanted to make a joke. But if you do want to support us, you know, I'm just kidding. Get your merch <clears throat> for co- what code Italian or Italians? Italian. It? Italian. Yeah. Use code Italian dude, for your Columbus Day sale. Okay. Um, uh, 17 is where we're at. And you, son of man, set your face against the daughters of your people who prophesy out of their own hearts, prophesy against them and say, thus says the Lord God, woe to the women who sew magic bands upon all wrists and make veils for the heads of persons of every statue in the hunt for souls. Can we pause? I want to, I want to yeah. see if there's some context to this. Cause I'm curious about this practice. That when I read really stuff like, when I read stuff like this, I want to understand the, the practice of, of the pagans of, of these times. So. Uh, the Lord's condemnation of the false prophets, both men and women. So this is this is a, like an overview for what what verse was that? Um, oh, I'm looking at the wrong one. It was 17, 18, and eighteen. Seventeen and eighteen. Chapter thirteen, seven, eighteen. Magic charms. Exactly what these women were doing is not known, but it is. <clears throat> but that it was some kind of black magic or voodoo is clear. The Bible constantly mm. avoids. Exp- yeah. So d- there's not a historical reference in, in my text that okay. tells what this practice was. But yeah, I mean, just from reading it, you're like, this is witchcraft of some type. Yeah. And, and mixing it in with their, with their prophecy and their spiritualism, which we see a lot of super familiar. Yeah. I'm probably too cautious sometimes with things where I'm like, maybe this thing isn't demonic, but like I would, re- I, I'm always like, okay, I just got to say this. Sure. We talked about organite recently and I know some people are like, well, look, crystals are crystals. They're, they're rocks. Maybe they actually do have like properties that block mm. electric waves and stuff like that. And I'm like, yeah, fine. But I'm not going to seek out a pyramid shaped pentagram stamped piece of crystal. Right. Whether or not it's like, well, you know, maybe it's got a, I, I, I just, I'm, I'm going to be overly cautious. I will be. I'm like, right. Yeah, I get it. Maybe like there's just some plain scientific understanding of, or of, sure. of crystals. And, Cause what organite is, is just. It, they take a they take a mold. It's like a, a lacquer. I'm trying to remember what it's called. When you pour that that like plat, resin, it's a resin, and mm-hmm. they pour like metal shavings and crystals, crushed up crystals into it. Mm-hmm. And it's supposed to block, you know, cell phone signals and stuff like that. I'm like, yeah, maybe there's a scientific explanation. But since the whole thing is so like woven into occultism, I'm just gonna avoid the whole damn thing. Personally, I'd, I'd rather be on that like. When when the whole practice is and always has been an occult practice, mm. maybe I just don't care if there's science to it. Maybe there is. I think there is. I, I think they work. I just I don't know. I feel I feel like our maybe that's not the right way to think about it. But it's just like I I would rather be cautious in stuff like that than be like, you know, accidentally like practicing weird stuff. Yeah, yeah. I I agree. Um. Especially if I'm finding out about some, like, if I'm finding out about something through the witches, and then that's I'm my like, point. what if I could explain this away as science so I can use it? That's to me, that's wrong. Then sometimes there's something where I'm introduced to it in a perfectly um, innocent in a, way, innocent and then way, someone's yeah, yeah. like, "Did you know that this has roots?" Blah blah blah. And sometimes I'm like, "I I, I don't." care like that's not why i've ever i think it's just a a discernment thing and and one thing i'll say too that that is that 
there are things that we feel convicted for that we, that we personally feel are wrong and other people don't. And the Bible, the Bible uh, has a verse in this, but I'll try to find it in a minute, but it's basically like, if you think it's wrong and maybe it's not even wrong, maybe it's totally innocent. Other people have, have rationalized it out in a, in a, in a way that where they don't feel like it's breaking their faith, it would still be wrong for you to do it. Even if it's not like, let's say it's not technically breaking God's law, but on your consciousness, you feel bad. Like you feel like this thing is bad. You shouldn't do it anyway. So that's kind of where I fall down on these things. I'm like, maybe, maybe I'm wrong, but I'm going to avoid the, the, the pentagram stamped crystals. <laughs> Even if I could find one that they stamped a cross onto, because I just, I feel like it comes from a really weird occult place that I just mm-hmm. don't want to mess with anyway. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. A hundred percent. Hundred. Hundred. Hundred fifty. Um, you have okay. He's still talking to these women who are <laughs> who are doing this witchcraft prophecy mix. Yeah. <clears throat> what, what, what did you laugh at? Oh, uh, I don't remember. <laughs> okay. Um, you have profaned me among my people for handfuls of barley and for pieces of bread, <laughs> for money. You, you did it for money on TikTok. Um, <laughs> putting to death souls who should not die and keeping alive souls who should not live by your lying to my people who listen to lies. So he's he he does hold people responsible for lies that get keep people killed. Yep. Um, thus says the Lord God, behold, I am against your magic bands with which you hunt the souls like birds and I will tear them from your arms and I will let the souls whom you hunt go free. The souls like birds. I think it's interesting that he's not saying that what they're doing doesn't work. He's saying that it does, that they are capturing souls and he's going to set them free. This is the thing that I will disagree with people forever about. It's like the, the, the magic stuff, the dark magic is not bad because it doesn't work. It's bad because it, it, it does, does work. and it's bad. It's not, it's not just like a silly in service to Satan. It's not just yeah. foolishness. It's not superstition. Like everybody wants to, uh, there's a Christian need or want in the modern Christian church to, to look at everything that Satan does and the sorcerers and the pagans and say, it's bad because it's not true. Why is that make it bad? Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, it's bad it's because, because uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's in service to something else. And if it's in service to it and, 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 and people are doing it, it's probably because it works. Yeah. Yeah. Again, the witch of Endor, like people will explain away the witch of Endor and be like, she didn't really summon Samuel. I'm like, well, the Bible says she did. Yeah. Samuel's and if like, she didn't, she summoned uh-huh. a demon in the form of Samuel. <laughs> right. Like you could make that argument, but the point is not that it was tricks and lights and, and, and right. holograms. Right. It, and, and Samuel comes up. It's the, the Pissed off. I don't think, yeah. <laughs> That's why I don't think it's He's a demon like, either. Why did you, and, and prophesy something from God? Like, That's my point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it can't be, it can't be a demon. No, it, I don't think it, it is. It is Samuel. Yeah. Um, he's like, why, why did I get pulled out of? Why did you disturb my slumber? <laughs> Literally. <laughs> uh, yeah, Annie says, um, Evie Mux isn't pulling it, but Exodus makes it clear that some of Moses' miracles were matched by the Egyptian dark arts. Yeah, about yes. half, I, I think it was half, they were Let- able to duplicate. Let's put it this way. There's a very, if you, if you believe that they were doing stuff that didn't work, you miss the entire point of, of that story in Exodus. Right. And that Mm -hmm. is 
that this magician served Keck and this magician served Anubis and this magician served this thing and they can do these things to a degree. Yeah. And God comes in, he's like, oh, you can you can rain frogs because you sir, you worship Keck and you can bring plagues because you worship Anubis and or make the day night or whatever. I don't remember. I can do it all and I can do it and override your magic because I'm all powerful. I am all, I am, I am the alpha and the omega. I am Yahweh. And it, it, it's, it actually lessens the story when you think that God is the only one who's doing the magic in all mm-hmm. honesty. It's, it's a, it, it is a battle between dark magic and light magic in yes. a way. <laughs> but what God is saying is like, I'm not limited to the one trick that this God has or right. the lesser extent that this God has. I can do it all. Yeah, um, I think it's actually a much more powerful understanding of Exodus, but we've kind of yes. lost that in the modern. We really context. have, yeah. Because I think in in not believing that the dark magic is real, we've really diminished our belief in 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 the light. Mm-hmm. Like as if God wasn't ever fighting against anything, right? Substantial. Yeah. Um. Let's see. Twenty one, I think, is where we're at. Yeah, your veils also I will tear off. And deliver my people out of your hand, and they shall be no more in your hand as prey, and you shall know that I am the Lord, because you have disheartened the righteous falsely, although I have not grieved him, and you have encouraged the wicked that he should not turn from his evil way to save his life. Therefore, you shall no more see false visions nor practice divination. I will deliver my people out of your hand, and you shall know that I am the Lord. So so two crimes, right? Not only are they telling <coughs> lies that are keeping people from turning to the Lord, but they're also discouraging the people who are still faithful to God that he's like, I don't want those people discouraged. How dare you? Right. Yeah. So <clears throat> this was really good. I have been really enjoying this, this talk with about Ezekiel and the things going on in the world. Um, I'm just so glad to be back doing this. It's been a minute and it just mm-hmm. feels good to be able to just talk to you guys and read the Bible and have these conversations. Uh, Cause I, I think this is at the heart of everything that we do is like, I feel like through the understanding of culture and conspiracy in the world and politics and whatever, right? uh, We're gaining a deeper understanding of human nature and of the Bible and of, of how things work. So it's always nice to be able to like come into to this and bringing more knowledge. And I think that's the whole point of all of this is like, we're bringing more knowledge into each subject. You know what I mean? It's like, if we hadn't done Mm -hmm. Aleister Crowley research, we wouldn't have understood Marina Abramovich in a way or the real research for the Nazi UFOs. It's mm-hmm. it's like we're building a deeper understanding of the world and trying to share that with you guys. So appreciate you guys for being here and all of your comments and your support. Is there anything you want to say before we close out, Abby? Um, no, but I'm I'm hoping we can do this again soon. Yes, absolutely. I'd like to pray at the end of this if that's yes. cool. So, uh, dear Lord, thank you so much for for this time that we got to spend in your Word that we got to spend together as a community. I uh, just praise you and, and bless your name for all that you've you've done for us and all the ways that you've provided for us. And again, just for the opportunity to be here with with Abby and, and to be here with this community of, of people. I pray that if there's anybody listening to this that is <clears throat> not sure, that they, they don't know what to believe, um, that you will just speak to them, that you will just lay, lay uh, heavy on their hearts, Lord. Um, and that... You say if they seek, they will find, and I believe this to be true, that anybody that seeks you out will will find you to be true. Um, so I just pray that they seek, and I pray that uh, you help us to lead and learn and grow. And we just thank you and praise you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.
Mm-hmm. Okay. We have any other comments we want to get to? I don't think so. I think I'll, I'll end with this one. Annie says, these Bible studies are my favorite thing. I love spending time at church with y'all. Thank you, Annie. Thank you, everybody. You guys have been great. We'll be back Wednesday to talk about the 2017 Vegas shooting, uh, the massacre. What I'm just going to say this. No, it, whatever you think about it is probably not true. Whatever. What, the one thing I am 100% convinced on at this point is that we have all been lied to. I don't even know what the answer is, but it is crazy. It's a, it's an insane story. So we will see you guys for that Wednesday. Have a great night.